Previously on Return Home. My name is Jonathan Barker. After five years away, I returned to my hometown of Melancholy Falls after receiving a mysterious phone call. Hey, Jonathan. Return home. Along with my best friends, Buddy and Amy, I found that larger forces were at play. I was a pawn for the Society of Shadows in their fight against the coming darkness. Serve the shadows! So far, our encounters with the problems of Melancholy Falls have been less than normal. However, things began to get out of hand after we discovered a collection of rare and exotic artifacts in the Robina Mansion. Well, at the very least, Mrs. Robina has an eclectic taste in collectibles. We don't know what comes next, but we do know that we're in this together. Seriously, we just became an episode of Scooby-Doo. It is now time to return home. It had been a while since the Citizen of the Year Gala and the subsequent destruction of the Robina's collection of rare and dangerous artifacts. Whatever damage the Raggedy Man did before Kaylin Robina stopped him had unleashed countless troubles on my hometown of Melancholy Falls. More than enough to keep a couple of amateur investigators of the weird, like Buddy and Amy and myself, busy. Okay, the mutilations down at the Hofstetter farm, the break-ins at the old bookstore, we're 0 for 2 this week, but... I do have a good feeling about this one, though. Like they say, third time's uh, uh, an unexplainable sin-harvesting medallion? I don't know if this is the time for jokes. This kid is missing. One of the skills I acquired over the years was being able to tell how nervous Buddy was. After the last few incidents, especially after almost getting devoured by our state's most popular legend, he was most definitely on edge. This one should be easy, and we just go in, roll out anything that isn't an evil music box again, and we should be good. Thank goodness you're here. Please, come in. As soon as we entered the house, Buddy grabbed a notebook from his backpack and furiously began detailing everything he saw. He'd gotten pretty good at this. Okay, let's get the boring stuff out of the way. What was the last thing you said to your son? Have you contacted the police yet? And what kind of shoes was he last seen wearing? I... No? What? Oh, buddy, slow down. I'm sorry, I I have to apologize for my friend, ma'am. He does bring up a good point, though. Did you call the police department or file a missing persons report? No, not yet. It's just like what happened with the Davies kid. The Davies kid? Jack, he disappeared a couple of nights ago. The police have no idea where to start. Seems kind of odd that the police would be lost like that. Yeah, I've watched enough episodes of CSI that even I'd know where to start. By the way, have you or the Davies family ever been the owners of a demonic music box? Maybe it'll be easier if you check it out for yourself. Do you want to see his bedroom? It's just upstairs. I swear, if anything up there bites me. I discreetly kicked Buddy in the ankle as I maintained a polite smile. Ow! Uh, Of course, we're here to help. Follow me. Buddy cautiously took the lead, fumbling to pull safety goggles over his eyes. As we came to the top of the stairs, I saw a bedroom door decorated with wooden letters that spelled out Michael. 
I watched as Buddy reached out to open the door, his hand wearing a rubber glove that I'm not even sure I saw him put on. All was still as we lowered our defenses as we entered the room. Signs of a struggle were all around us. Literally. Toys, clothes, everything you'd expect to find in a ten-year-old's bedroom all floated around the room, suspended in mid-air. Curtains flapped in the breeze due to the wide-open window. I had to push a levitating hockey puck out of my face as I followed Buddy in. Wow. Okay then, this is definitely something. I can't stand to be in here right now. I'll be downstairs if you need me. Thank you. We won't be long, I promise. No way! Captain Laserbeam! I had one of these as a kid. Who? You know, Captain Laserbeam. Laser shoots from his hands and his eyes. Man of truth in a world of lies. Captain Laserbeam! Right. Man, California made you boring. Oh, come on. I, if anything, California made me cooler. Yeah, because, like, talking about traffic and doing brunch makes you cool. Just take a look around and let's get to work, okay, Lieutenant X-Ray? Captain Laserbeam. Laserbeam. Buddy and I began quietly working through Michael's room, trying to find any clue as to what had happened. Within minutes of our being there, some of the floating items had started to fall out of the air. I was hunched over a suspect laundry basket when I felt a tap on my shoulder. I turned around to see a child size 8 sneaker floating away after ricocheting off of me. Gotcha. Buddy nudged an airborne pillow with a small hockey stick, setting it across the room like the world's slowest gravity-defying cue ball. It didn't take me much effort to dodge it. Instead, I pushed it back towards him. So, what's the deal with you and Amy, man? What do you mean? We're good. I don't know about that, but I know you, and I know what good usually means. Seriously, it's fine. Well then, why aren't you interested in hanging out with her until she gets sucked into one of these things? One of what things? You know, one of these things. I just want to do boring stuff with my friends every once in a while. I can't seem to get the two of you in a room together unless someone's about to turn into a werebunny or something. Is this some kind of weird intervention? Look, I know it's none of my business, but all I'm saying is that maybe you guys should finally sit down and talk. Hey, come on, I I'll handle it all on my own time, okay? No, you won't. I'm afraid you'll just run away again. You'll go back to California like the last time until some mysterious phone call drags you back across the country. You want me to call her? I'll call her right now if it means that much to you. I don't mean now. I mean soon. She deserves it, and so do you. It would be good for... Wait, did you hear that? The sound seemed to be coming from one of the dresser drawers that had toppled over on the struggle. Whatever the sound was, the source of it was definitely trapped inside. Help me lift this. I helped Buddy put the dresser right side up again. He held the hockey stick at the ready, prepared for whatever we found. Cautiously, I opened the top drawer. Ah! A streak of glowing light shot out of the dresser and became tangled in a t-shirt that was still floating in midair. It raced about in the shirt before hitting the wall and dropping to the floor with a thud. Quick, get it! What is that thing? Before whatever it was could fly away, I grabbed it tightly by the shirt it was still trapped in. In here! Buddy pulled a floating mason jar out of the air and brought it over to me. I carefully emptied the shirt over the jar's mouth. Buddy sealed the lid tight as soon as I pulled my hands away. What are you? Buddy held the jar up so we can get a good look. Inside was a tiny human-like creature, glowing a faint yellow light and wearing what looked like clothes made out of leaves. Its four insect-like wings fluttered wildly as it threw itself at the glass in an attempt to break free. Are you... a fairy? I don't know what it is, but I think I know who might. We raced down the highway, headed towards the one place we knew would have the answers. I studied the mason jar and held it tightly, as our angry little friend hadn't stopped throwing itself against the glass walls of its prison since we left Michael's bedroom. 
And you're sure you know how to get there? Trust me. Buddy gave me a knowing look as he tapped his temple. Do you think that we should put some sticks in there with it? Why? I don't know. Make it feel more at home? It's not a bug, buddy. Well, if it's not a bug and it's not a fairy, then what is it? We're about to find out. A fairy! I told you it was a fairy. You're kidding me. I am most certainly not. It's absolutely... Wait... How did you two find us? What do you mean? As I seem to recall, every time my cohorts and I have brought you to our presence, we have made certain (coughs) precautions to ensure our privacy. Oh, that, right. Buddy drove us here. He has the sense of direction of a homing pigeon. That way is due north. Zane waved off two masked members of the Society of Shadows, who happened to be slowly approaching us with hoods. You're a strange individual, Mr. Nutters. Now, the fairies? Ah, yes, the fairies. I was curious as to what happened to the contents of a rather peculiar iron box that the Robinas had in their possession. Zane gestured toward a staging area where other members of the Society of Shadows were tagging and cataloging various artifacts. There was definitely most of an iron box in the mix. One side of the box was home to a dent, roughly the diameter of a raggedy man-sized fist, which had more than likely allowed the lid of the box to be knocked off. Kalen's note surmised that the box was home to soil from a sigh. A sigh? A sigh. A fairy mound. A small hill where they dwell, usually near a rowan tree. If true, then there was a chance it would have contained fairies themselves. As much as the society is responsible for containing these menaces, there is a small part of me that would have hoped to find a way to safely harvest their dust without them escaping. Why would you want their dust? To fly, of course. Haven't you ever read Peter Pan? Who wouldn't want to fly? Buddy slowly raised his hand. I throw up on planes. It's the turbulence. So what, the president or whatever you are of the Society of Shadows can't figure out how to fly? I find that hard to believe. It's a lot more complicated than it seems. But that's beside the point. If you're going to locate my fairies for me, there's a few things you need to know. Fairies are tricksters, for starters. A hive mind. They live underground in groups and will often find ways to disguise themselves to lure people away. Why do they want to kidnap people? I would suppose for the same reason most mythological beings want humans. Ritualistic sacrifice. They are highly dangerous little things, hence the box. Now, Mr. Barker... There is one way we can know for sure. May I speak with your fairy? I guess, but how? I'm not about to open this jar. Allow me. Zane reached inside the breast pocket of his jacket and produced a stethoscope. Where did he... Never mind. Here, give me the jar. Buddy did as he was asked and handed him the jar. Zane set it on the table and listened intently as he placed the cold disc of the stethoscope against the glass. Hello... Do you understand me? Well, what's it saying? Words, ranting, I I don't know. It must be too far away from the others. Hand me something to write with. Buddy handed him his notebook and pencil, and Zane quickly began writing. What's it say? I looked over Zane's shoulder to see what he was writing. It said, home, never, never home, tree, home, Michael, Jack, James. Nonsense! It's nothing but gibberish. It's just listing names now. Your little friend's brain must be nothing but static. It can't get a clear signal from the others. Perhaps if we can get it close enough to them, maybe we could try again. How are we going to do that? Put it on a tiny leash? Let him sniff it out? Wait. It's saying something else. Zane began writing again, listening to the fairies ranting. 
Excuse me for a second, it's Amy. Hello. Yeah, we're both here. What's going on? Whoa, whoa, wait, Amy, slow down. Zane shot up when he heard the name Amy. He turned to me, showing me what he had just written down. Scrawled in Buddy's notebook were the words Amy over and over again, all over the page. I ripped the phone from Buddy's hand. Amy, what's wrong? What? A, a man, I think, outside my window. Amy, listen to me. Lock everything and stay inside. We'll be right there. And watch out for fairies. Unfortunately, before I can get another word out, the line went dead. Return Home, Episode 11, Fairy Tale. You just listened to Part 1 of 2. It was written by Michael Lissenberry and produced by Andrew Taylor and Jeff Heimbuck. It featured the vocal talents of Taylor Thorne, Forrest Orta, Cleve Nettles, Alyssa Ritorno, and Jeff Heimbuck. The original musical score was by Corey Celeste. You can find out more about the show and find Return Home merchandise by visiting our website at returnhomepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash returnhomepodcast, on Twitter at returnhomeshow, and on Tumblr at returnhomepodcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a review on iTunes or contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash returnhomepodcast questions comments want to harvest the fairy dust for yourself send us an email at returnhomepodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you until next time pleasant dreams